Late Night Health continues. We kind of have a spiritual theme going today on uh, Late Night Health. Uh, We're going to go to Providence, Rhode Island. We're going to spend some time with Tom Lane. He has a, a, a book out, and it's called The Karma Factor. And I have to read the dedication because it really, it hit me. Hmm. This book is dedicated to those who have outgrown denial and are rising up with courage and kindness to face a world in crisis. Tom, is the world in crisis? Uh, I do believe. I've been around for a while. I've never seen so many loops and splatters and disagreements and danger. At the same time, there's a whole host of folks that are really putting their shoulders to the wheel uh, and and trying to get the core or the course of you know our being here now on this planet get it, get it organized so we can we can have a different kind of take on things. Uh, you're a poet, a musician. This is your first book, I believe. Uh, I wrote a book called The Artist Manifesto a while back, and uh, I have a poetry book out, but. This is the first book I've ever sort of come out of hiding and come out <laughs> and talk to you and, um, you know, really push trying to get this thing out into the culture. Well, it, it reads like a movie script. So uh, just wanting you to know that um, as a self-promoter, um, if you need a news anchor um, or a voiceover, you've got two guys here who can do that. You've got oh, great. Carol and me. So there's our self, uh, our, our our self promotion for the uh, for the for the show. Um, instead of talking about the premise of the book, I mean, there's a there's a cop, there's there's a a, a, a monk, there's some really interesting characters in the book. I want to talk about the I guess the the underlying the current how to solve the world in crisis because yeah. that's really what the book that's what I'm getting out of the book. Well, I, you know, I, it's fiction. I'm no guru. I, I don't have the answers. But I do know that we have to look at possibilities, be open to change, to to try to come at it, come at the problems from different ways. You know, if you look at having read history a little bit, you find the same people complaining about the same uh, situations, uh, the loss of uh, kindness and decency and, you know, the cutthroat world. And and you find out that's from the 1700s. <laughs> and so we're <laughs> voicing the same thing over and over. It's like a, a record, a needle on a scratchy record that just keeps repeating itself over and over. So, you know, like many people, I have in my imagination and some intuition and some hope and and some hurt, uh, just what what would it take to change the way we go about interacting with each other. And it kind of came down to, for me, it came down to the lowest common denominator or the highest, which is the soul, which we talk a lot about. But what if we really made it our business to find out what the powers of this could be, what it's like, and and not from a fantastical, but from a real sense. Anyway, that was the basis. There was these people that had a take that was different, that had to do with karma, which had to do with accountability and actions that, you know, are reprehensible, but go unpunished. And their handle on this 
was very different from putting people in jail and executing them or wherever. It was trying to clean up the spiritual aspect. So that, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's what came out of my mouth when you asked me. Which is fine, because that was your answer. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm thinking, I wrote down customer service. Huh. People say that we don't have customer service anymore. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you go into a, a CVS or a Rite Aid or yeah. even Macy's. Yeah. And sometimes you're lucky and you get somebody who's happy and mm. glad to be doing their job. And sometimes you don't. And there's a lack of customer service. Is Do you think that's the beginning? And it, it kind of blossoms out, goes from customer, lack of customer service yeah. to... Um, um, uh, wackadoodles uh, trying to uh, uh, run the government. I think that's a brilliant metaphor because it says everything without being fancy. It's just, it's something that we can all relate to, this lack of customer, lack of uh, willingness to walk in another's shoes is another. Um, we've always had trouble with people that are from different tribes, it seems to me. But there's a commonality there, which our culture does not allow or just puts so many strictures on being in, in connection with people that have different viewpoints, is that we end up just fighting and being inconsiderate in ways that we don't want to be treated ourselves. Totally agree with that. Let's, uh, let's talk about some of the other spiritual aspects of, of the book. Um, the Akashic uh, Records. I've, I've done a couple of interviews over the years on these. Uh, explain what the Akashic Records are and do you believe that they're there? Okay, thank you. Um, first of all, again, this is fiction. So, you know, it's going through that filter. Um, I ran into it, that concept. The, the concept being that there is a a, call it an entity or an awareness that is recording all of our activities, our beliefs, our deeds through all the incarnations one has had here on this earth. And so you get basically a database of past lifetimes. And now that's the, the Newtonian kind of brick and mortar um, awareness of that word. And I used it as a kind of in the book as a kind of profile a police profile that has you know where the suspect was born when he got incarcerated who he got married to who each all the data that a police will assemble this is a is a profile that goes back thousands and thousands of years so my you know if you could get in there into the akashic records you could <laughs> you could find out you know what this guy did on August 12th, 1827, who he cheated on, you know, during um, the the building of the pyramids, who he killed. And so I used it as as a kind of just as a as a tool to help track down the killer and what was really going on with this guy. And the source of his animosity and his hatred came from an incident that happened 300 years ago. What I've learned subsequently is that there is a yeah it's ongoing there is there are people that interpret this they go into your akashic records they will give you readings and they're not what did you do on july 12th 1827 they're like what are you working with now what are the tools um and i have found i've done a couple of them i found them really interesting and thought-provoking 
And my feeling overall is that if you're if you're a sensitive person and an intuitive person, there's all kinds of devices you can use, including the Akashic Records. To... You, uh, you picked a, a date, July 12th, which happens to be my birthday. And I remember 1827. As if yeah, we to talk to you about that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I look pretty good for somebody from 1827. No kidding. Right? Yeah. Uh, our guest is Tom Tom Lane, he's written a new book. It's called The Karma Factor. And it, it um, I think the me I think there's more of a message than even you think there is. Could be, could be. Right? I mean, there's, there's many different things going on. Um, for one thing, and this is something I've been working on personally, is having sort of opposing elements work together. In other words, I too, I love mysteries. I love cops and robbers i love uh, tcm and noir fic pictures yeah. and all of that uh at the same time i have this other side which which um is inquisitive and has had experiences in this other realm so how do you how do you reconcile these two parts well you write a book that that has you know a, a thriller aspect you know a serial killer and a cop and then you introduce these other influences that come from unknown sources that make him say, Tom, we're going to take, we're going to take a time out. We'll okay. come back to our uh, 21st century Dashiell Hammond, um, Tom Lane, uh, in just a couple of moments. This is Late Night Health. Join us at LateNightHealth.com. I'm Mark Allen, along with the insane Daryl Wayne. Don't go away. More coming up. Late Night Health is proud of our partnership with the EBC, the Evolutionary Business Council. Check them out at ebcouncil.com. You're listening to Late Night Health with Mark Allen. The show continues in a moment. Recently, I met Jacqueline from Bright here in Los Angeles. She gave me a hearing exam and then showed me how to hear again with the new Signia Pure Series hearing aids, and she can give you your life back too. I hear birds chirping, birds cooing, and even my wife. They easily connect to my smartphone. The Signia hearing aids are amazing, and with the charge and go, I don't have to fiddle with batteries and hear all day long. Not hearing is frustrating for you and your family. I know, you don't have a problem, but trust me, call Bright here now for a free hearing exam, a $125 value, yours free, just for making an appointment now. There are offices throughout the Los Angeles area. Call Bright here now at 323-424-7100. That's 323-424-7100 for a free hearing exam. There's no obligation. Call now, 323-424-7100, or visit them on the web at brighthear.com. If you're listening to Late Night Health right now, you're part of the growing target of baby boomers we're serving. Hi, I'm Daryl Wayne, producer of Late Night Health, inviting you to join the Late Night Health family. If you have any business targeting the growing boomer market, Late Night Health is the ideal advertising vehicle for you. From vitamins to insurance, alternative health to Western-style medicine, Late Night Health caters to the growing population of those over 40 years old. This vibrant demographic has expendable income to fight aging, purchase travel, take care of aging parents or just have fun find out about the advertising opportunities with late night health call us at 805-391-0308 that's 805-391-0308 
391-0308 or email us at info at latenighthealth.com. That's info at latenighthealth.com. Join Late Night Health as we empower people to take charge of their own health care. Call now at 805-391-0308. That's 805-391-0308. Sometimes it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Words are a critical aspect of success. How you get your point across is a crucial part of what makes anything sell. So do it right and hire a writer. Whether it's articles, blog posts, technical writings, website content, product descriptions, or ghostwriting anything from a novel to a nonfiction book about your navel, contact Servette Hassan. If you want it to sell, write it right. Email Servette at Servette at ServetteHassan.com. It's time to tackle a tough topic, one that affects us all. We're talking about sexism in the workplace. The award-winning Identifying the Elephant in the Room series is back and ready to tackle some complicated communications issues again. This spring, we're focusing on critical communication strategies in the face of sexism. Join us as we hear from professionals in the natural products industry who have valuable career lessons to share and real-world experience to discuss from all sides of the elephant. It's time to have an honest and open conversation about the impact of sexism in the workplace and how we can make it better for everyone. Identifying the Elephant in the Room series starts March 16th. Register today at inisibox.vfairs.com. That's I-N-I-C-I-B-O-X dot V F-A-I-R-S dot com. And join the conversation to be part of the solution. Late Night Health continues. I'm Mark Allen, along with the insane Daryl Wayne. Uh, We're talking uh, with, um, I I called him uh, the uh, Dashiell Hamill of of the 21st century. Uh, Hamill uh, wrote uh, Sam Spade. And um, our our guest is Tom Lane, uh, who has written The Karma Factor. Do you think, you know, you mentioned uh, film noir and, and, uh, and you like mysteries. Have you always liked that kind of stuff? Always. Um, This was the peculiar part of me where I was just, when I was a kid, I just loved adventure and sports and all that kind of just grounded stuff, action, adventure, mystery thrillers. And then, you know, I got into the arts and I started writing and I started exploring other things, but I never let go. I I still, right to this day, uh, really enjoy reading that kind of stuff and listening to it and being wanting to be part of the page turner writers you know i just it's i would i would hope that the karma factor is aside from all the spirits that it's just fun to read right and in when i'm watching you know i watch um uh, uh, a lot of uh, british mysteries yeah right and i love or even the old Perry Masons, and we lo- I, I like to try to solve who done it. Yeah, yeah. We I think we all do. Oh, absolutely. I'm. Go- I say to my wife right there because sometimes there's a little camera shot that lingers a little bit longer yeah. on a face, and you go, oh, okay, he's the bag, he's the murderer. That's the guy. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Do you think people can do that with the karma factor? Well, I just hope so. I mean, it's. The characters, some of them, like, I don't know if you've hit Tracker yet, the, the street poet and white man, the the albino psychic, they're surreal. They're not meant to be regular people. But then there's also the cop, um, 
and the girlfriend and the the mother of James Early, the detective, who I tried to really sew into the landscape of the the thriller. So, yeah, I, I hope so. Um, you you mentioned that you lived in a commune, so uh, uh, you know you you miss you know the the. Uh, I'm assuming that the time was uh, you know when Hate Ashbury, um, you know, in the late '60s. And, a little uh, bit after, but close enough. Okay, and and um, you know, hopping uh, freight trains and things. I didn't know you could still do that. Jack Kerouac, he was my hero for a while. So I would take all these flights of fancy and just do wild things, join a rock and roll band touring Europe, uh, just day to day, you know. My, I had the peculiar idea that my basic job was to find out who Tom Lane is. And and every I worked part-time construction. I had no career path for so many years, just being alive and taking in stuff and finding out about me that uh, I sort of like to hang out on the corner of art and spirit and social justice, along with thrillers. Um, and it's all been an interesting journey. Are you, you're an activist as well? Yeah. Social activist? Yeah. I have a foundation, uh, money from my grandparents, um, that has worked with the homeless for years and is now just basically trying to, anytime I hear about an organization or a group, particularly locally in Rhode Island, I try to send them, you know, checks. They're not, we don't have deep pockets, but we have some pockets. Interesting. And, what, yeah. and for the, for the homeless, but here in Ventura County, we have, there are homeless uh, yeah. and uh, up in Santa Barbara County as well. It's, it's because our weather is so nice. You know, we don't yeah. have the humidity that you're about to experience with the summer uh, yeah. being on the East Coast. Right. Um, why do we have a homeless problem? And is it a problem? Well, having having worked with homeless folks, it is a problem. Um, and there's always other sides of the story, but it's often that an individual gets injured, loses their job, son gets cancer. All these different difficult things hit one person at a particular time. And it's not just one thing usually, it's a it's a mass of them. And so they're, they are left on the street and they're sleeping on cardboard boxes. Why is it happening? I don't know. I just feel like Kindness is not something that is, um, it should be right up there at the very top of what we strive for. This is just my take. and, and um, I agree with it. It's absolutely, absolutely. And, and, it, and what's, what, is, what is successful? What are the terms that you know, make people do things, go after things? Um, and success is almost always uh, articulated in terms of money and power and not in terms of kindness and decency. And I I wish we could flip that around. And, you know, there are folks that are working hard. I'm, you know, your show, a lot of the shows I've been on, people that really are just trying to do something helpful out there. Absolutely. And I, I think that, that uh, I don't, 
you know, with homelessness. Yeah. I think that um, I think it's something that we all think about, but what can we what can we do about it? Uh, a lot of the people, you know, in in the in the 30s and 40s, the 20s, 30s, 40s, yeah. they were called hobos because they wanted to be that way. They yeah. right. Uh, today, I think a lot of it is drug related. I think, um, the, the, and mental disease, mental health issues, and some people don't want help. How do we help those who don't want to be helped, or can we? My experience is that that's a smaller percentage of people. At least, you know, uh, right. here, here's a little story about that. That my foundation is called the Helen Hudson Foundation, which is based on my mother's was a writer also. And, and a relentless activist. I mean, she was all over everywhere, marching on the Selma, marching for peace, writing letters to prisoners, recording for the blind. And for a while, she worked as a server at soup kitchens. And while she was doing that in Connecticut, and she also wrote a bunch of books that were published, um, she, she worked in New Haven at um, soup kitchens, and she got interested and curious the stories behind these people that would show up for, yeah. you know, soup and bread. And so she would interview them. She'd set up her little tape recorder in a broom closet, <laughs> you know, any <laughs> little place she could find and would interview them and take their stories and write a chapter. She came up with a manuscript called Dinner at Six, Voices from the Soup Kitchen. And her publisher wouldn't publish it. He just, it wasn't sexy. It wasn't academic. It was just kind of raw. And I had read it and I felt this is a crime. So I convinced my family to publish it, print it ourselves and give the books away to soup kitchens who could then sell them and they would keep all the money. My mom wow. didn't want a dime. And so uh, this became the Helen Hudson Foundation. Uh, we had about a hundred different organizations carrying the books, selling them, spreading the word. Um, it was really successful. I came up to Providence. I, I had money from my grandparents that we op we established the Helen Hudson found. It's all based on a book she wrote, you know? And so that's, that's what she did. So it's in your genes. Yeah. That's terrific. Uh, I, I started this uh, conversation by asking, is the world in crisis? Let's bring it down a little bit. Is America in crisis? And what can we do about it? Oh, you know, Well, you have to start with yourself. I think one, at least for me, I have to, you know, try to improve my behavior uh, and be more generous. And I, like many people, have heard it almost as a clarion call right now that we are at an inflection point and our time is up, I guess. It is. Tom, I've enjoyed our conversation. Will you come back sometime? I really will. Thank you. And you ask great questions. Oh, I appreciate that. Thoughtful question. So I really appreciate the time. Well, the book is called The Karma Factor, and you can find it at Amazon.com. And uh, it, it's uh, it's a it's a, a good read. I uh, I've read uh, a, a bit of it, uh, and uh, can't wait to finish it. It's uh, my uh, my my re read at night to go to sleep book. So. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, Daryl, thank you. I appreciate you and everything you do. My pleasure. And uh, thank you for uh, tuning in and uh, listening and watching. Uh, I'm Mark Allen. Have a good week, everybody. Have a great week. Most importantly, 
have a healthy one. We'll see you next time. Uh, thank you.